You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Lots and lots to get through. We got the PFF grades, which are terrible, and I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about it because who cares? Um, I want to start with this. This is the opening. Sorry, don't want to start it yet. Just trying to rewind. Ah, stop playing, you dummy. The opening um, salvo, the opening line for Matt LaFleur when he came out to his press conference, and this is what he had to say. And listen, let me just say this, because I'm, I'm probably going to be a little unfair and un, un, unkind and whatnot. There's not a lot you can say at this point, but that still means that everything you say is going to be stupid, and I'm going to call it stupid. Here's Matt LaFleur. Uh, first words he had to say before the question started. Well, first off, Washington, ton of credit. They battled. They played better than us today, and they came out on top. You don't have to give Washington credit if you don't want to. Sorry, so why is it so freaking quiet? It's really annoying, but it's the best I can do. I'll try to edit it louder later. I don't know. You don't have to give them credit at all. Um, They're not a good football team, and I'm really getting tired of giving everybody else so much credit. Oh, man, the Giants are actually really good. The Patriots are actually really good. The Jets are actually really good. And now Washington is actually really good? BS. You just suck. You know, um, that's a, uh, our guys are extremely disappointed. Mm. Uh, I don't think anybody thought we'd be in the spot that we're in right now. Oh, some people did. Yeah. Remember when Rodgers last week was, was asked the question, something to the effect of how much confidence do you have that you'll be able to turn this around? And he said, probably more than you. He was right. Because all of us over here didn't have a lot of confidence. Um, but apparently the team did, which I guess is, is good. But no, I'm just, I'm just agreeing. He's right. Uh, they didn't <laughs> feel that way. But uh, but we did over here. So if you're talking about us, you're you're wrong. Um, and we're gonna find out what we're made of in terms of just how we how we attack Monday, how we attack Tuesday, Wednesday, and every day in practice. Um, I do believe that we've got the right kind of guys that will continue to battle. That part annoyed me more than anything else, and is the main reason why I wanted to play this. We're gonna find out what we're made of, bro. We're past that. Okay, after week one is when you're going to find out what you're made of, right? That's when it's like, all right, we got punched in the mouth. We got to see what we're made of, right? Then after week three, after week four, after week five, after week six, now we're going to find out what we're made of. Like at this, like now all of a sudden we're surprised. Is that what you're telling me? Now we're like, oh man, what's what happened there? I thought we were a good team, and then we lost. I didn't expect that. That's weird. Well, I guess we'll find out what we're made. We just found out what you're made of, dude. We're not going to find out. We just found out. This was the, this, for everybody else, this was the final, the final, um, test. You know, we're running multiple tests to see if we can figure out what's wrong with you. And we just ran the last test and we figured it out. You suck. We're gonna find out. (laughs) No, we're not. I mean, we already know, dude. And again, I don't know what else you can say when you're Matt LaFleur. Your guys aren't playing for you and that sucks. But, um... Again, I'm still going to call it out when it's stupid and that's stupid. Now we're going to find out what we're made of. Bro, we're past that. We're halfway through the season, and you've been bad the entire time. What, what is it you think you're going to find out? I can't wait to find out that you had a great practice, a very spirited practice. I can't wait. That's the thing. We've played this game so many times. Where can you go from here? What are you going to say? We had a bad practice? What, what can you say to inspire confidence? Nothing, because you've already said everything. You've already laid out all your cards. You've already said this time it's different seven different times. And so, I mean, we're all to the point where it's like we don't want to hear it anymore, but we also know that you're not going to be able to show us anymore, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it's like, that's, that's so stupid. But here's the next clip I wanted to play. I'm, I'm going to get off of this for a second because I've been saying some stuff, and again, every time I say it, it feels like I'm, I'm being, you know, the, the whole Matt LaFleur thing. I've been kind of, the bottom line is I'm trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And, and it seems clear to me that the team has given up on the leadership of the team, the, the coach, the coaches, the whatever. 
And again, the only thing I can come back to are these these couple little data points that that maybe haven't fully been connected, but kind of connect. The team is not playing for Matt Lafleur. They're not playing. They 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 have they don't they're not buying in. And again, we can sit here and talk about should all we want, but it doesn't do any good. Well, they should. We shouldn't have to fire the head coach. They should just play for him. There's no reason why. I get that, but they're not. Right, so that's that's number one. They're just not. I don't know why. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. They should care. They should want it. They should be playing harder, trying harder, practicing harder, caring more. They don't. They can't. They aren't. They're unmotivated. The other thing I mentioned about Rich Bisaccia when when talking about promoting him was there's just not there's not like a real thing happening here. It, it's it's a we're we're gonna do everything the exact same, but we're gonna have him be the motivator guy, and that's gonna fix things. And there, and I said it's not gonna work because what happened for the Raiders was real, you know, with all the, the, there there was something tangible that was bigger than football that they could all buy into and believe in and fight for and rally behind. And they rallied behind Rich because of the position he was put in because of all that stuff. There's also a thing that seems somewhat disconnected. And that is the Aaron Rodgers conversation. A lot of people saying they want Aaron Rodgers gone. They want him out of here, the leadership issues and all that stuff. There's one example of something that kind of ties everything together in a really interesting way. And again, a lot of people are not going to like this. They're going to say that's ridiculous, you know, whatever. But I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna play this for you real quick. This is the Carolina Panthers locker room after they just trounced the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 21-3. And and the major storyline there is wow, Tampa's really bad. Without acknowledging, what about Carolina? Aren't they really bad? Didn't they just ship off their running back? Didn't they just fire their head coach? Why, why aren't they worse than before? Here's the locker room. This group right here. You continue to. This is head coach, interim head co- coach, Steve Wilkes talking. Overcome adversity. Circle the wagon and come together. That's what it's all about. We talked last night about what? Make the jump. Make the jump. We made that jump today. It's a lot to build on. Okay? We talked about right now controlling the line of scrimmage. All right, we weren't going to miss a beat. 173 yards rushing! Yeah. Yeah. Get on line! Get on line! Starts up front. Starts up front. Defense! Talking about getting off the field on third down. They were two for 12! Hey, a great win in all three phases. But I want to recognize one guy right now. PJ with the game ball. I'll explain some of this after. I just want you to hear it. Hey, great job, defense. Y'all went out there and shut them down. Offense, where the you want the ball? Special teams, y'all did y'all job today, man. Y'all made every play y'all needed to. Hey, it's a game on three. Oh, 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 Just so we're clear what just happened there. Just so we're clear what all this is. The screaming, they're pouring drinks all over them, they're freaking out, they're losing their mind. Let's let's talk about what exactly this is. This is a Carolina Panthers team that came into this game with one win. They were one and five, having just lost their last three in a row, their only win coming against division rival Saints. They lost to the Browns, the Giants, the Cardinals, the 49ers, and the Rams, and they just beat Tampa Bay 21-3. to Just two weeks ago, Matt Rule was the head coach and Baker Mayfield was the quarterback of this team. You know what happened? They shut it down. They said, we're done with this. They fired the head coach, Matt Rule, and they elevated Steve Wilkes to be the interim head coach. Not only that, Baker Mayfield was no longer the starting quarterback. Now, it wasn't because he was benched. It was because of an injury. But the point is, they have nothing. There's no reason for any of these guys to have any fight whatsoever. They're a terrible football team, and their their ownership just gave up on them. Fired the coach, got rid of your best player in Christian McCaffrey. You just lost your quarterback. And, And granted, Baker Mayfield isn't playing well, but he's still your best quarterback, no question about it, right? I mean, if we do to Baker what we do to Aaron Rodgers, we say, well, we don't pay any attention to what he's done this year. 
We look at his past achievements, two time, you know, back to back MVP. Look at how good he's been in the past. Don't worry about this year. We just look at the past. Baker Mayfield has been a quality quarterback for years. Not great, but decent. Certainly better than this year, but this year he played like garbage. He wasn't in it for whatever reason. Baker's just playing like the worst quarterback in football. So you lose your quarterback and you bring up a guy that's supposedly not as good. You lose your head coach. You bring up a guy that's supposedly not as good. And what happened? The team rallied around them. The game ball of that game went to who? P.J. Williams, the quarterback that came up to replace the the high-priced, big-money Baker Mayfield. And then just as he was about to break it down, they said, hold on, hold on, hold on. And they handed out another game ball, who? To Steve Wilkes, the head coach. And everybody lost their freaking mind. They've got something to rally around, and they won a game. Now, that doesn't make them a good team, but the point is, they didn't win and obliterate Tampa just because Tampa's that bad. Because Carolina is that bad. Carolina should have, by all rights, lost this game. The 13-point margin for that Vegas gave to Tampa was always stupid. But Tampa still should have won. But you know what? The Carolina Panthers showed heart. I, I can't help it. This is a real thing, as much as we don't want it to be a real thing. It doesn't matter how much talent we have if these guys don't play like they care. So how do we get that? I, I wish we could just sit back and say, you know what, we just need to sit the players down and lecture them and say, you're not allowed to give up. You have to start caring. You have to really want it. You have, it's, 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 it's an unfortunate part of human nature. And the only thing I could think is you need turnover. Maybe not everybody. I mean, Andy Reid's been doing it a long time. Maybe, you know, for certain teams, maybe discipline's enough. I don't know. But for the most part, it seems as though you need a lot of turnover. I, I, I've talked a lot about the, the sort of cliche about you, you bring in the, the head coach that gets rid of all the ping pong tables and is, is all serious and all business. And you know what you get? You get buy-in. Because now we're going to be serious and it's, we're changing things. And this is going to be a hard-hitting, disciplined, physical football team. We're going to crush everybody. And it doesn't actually matter if you're a hard-nosed coach or a buddy-buddy coach. Everybody thinks that you got to be a buddy-buddy coach in this league to, to get anywhere today. That's not true. All you need is for them to buy it. And, and maybe it's hard, harder for players today to buy into coaches that aren't nice. But as long as they buy it, it doesn't matter. Mike Vrabel still gets um, love. He's a, he's a hard-nosed dude. Bill Belichick still gets people to buy in and believe and, and do what they're told. You do with the information, I guess, what you want. I'm not going to tell you what to draw as far as a conclusion, but I am telling you, this team doesn't believe anymore. They don't care, they're not motivated, and they don't have anything to fight for. As much as they might think they do, it's, I, don't, I don't know that it's something you can necessarily manifest, despite Aaron Rodgers believing that you can. You know, I mean, to, to, to give you somewhat of a, a grim picture, but a real picture, it's one thing to tell somebody you love them and to know that you love them. It's another thing to love somebody as they're laying on their deathbed. And you cannot manufacture that level of love for somebody when they're fine. You can't do it. It's impossible. As much as you wish you could, you can't. And what I'm telling you is the Packers are in a fine state. There's nothing to fight for. There's no trauma. There's no tragedy. There's, no, there's nothing. It's just going through the motions. And for whatever reason, the magic is gone and they can't figure out why and they can't force it back. And now you got Matt LaFleur going, yeah, we're going to find out what we're made of. No, dude, you're not. And again, it's, it's not fair because I don't think Matt LaFleur is doing anything wrong, but I don't think, again, draw your own conclusions. I don't see how we can continue on this path and it be successful. The only way in terms of keeping the coaches is a pretty major player overhaul. Now, again, I bring up PJ Williams because the parallel for the Packers is who? It's Jordan Love. Now, I don't know if the team rallies around him. We've seen Jordan Love get elevated in the past, but it was under different circumstances. The Packers are a championship team with Aaron Rodgers. The team sucks with Jordan Love, and so they're frustrated that he's even out there. It may not be that way this year. It may not. I don't know. I don't, I don't know exactly how to manifest that, uh, that kind of thing. Maybe Love isn't the guy. Maybe, maybe they wouldn't rally behind him. I don't know. But they need something to rally behind, and they don't have it. And again, that's part of my issue with, you know, let's just go get a free agent. That doesn't fix it. It's a passion issue. It's a heart issue. And, you know, the Packers players will probably tell you, no, it's not, but it is, right? Because that, that would be like, you know, your, your, your family member or your friend is, is completely fine. They're not on their deathbed and, and you're trying to convince them that they don't love them like completely. It's like, are, are you serious? How dare you tell me that I don't love so-and-so completely, right? So that's the same thing as telling a, a football player they're not trying their hardest. It's like, how dare you? Of course I want it, but they don't want it like the Panthers want it, which is crazy because the Panthers have no chance. But again, it's not, 
It's not based on any of that. It's something else. And listen, Carolina's not going to go on to win the Super Bowl. They're not going to go on. They're probably going to lose a bunch of games. That's not the point. The point is they have one piece of that formula right now. And it's, it's temporary, just like all of this is temporary. If we go out and get a new coach, new quarterback, all that stuff, and there's a big spark, it doesn't last forever. If we're going based on the Packers, it lasts roughly three years, right? That's what we did. We overhauled the team. We got a new GM. We got a new defensive coordinator. We got a new head coach. We kicked a bunch of players off the team. We shipped off, you know, Ty Montgomery and a bunch of other guys that seemed to be having locker room issues. And we got rid of HaHa Clinton Dix and a bunch of players. And then we brought in some new guys that got great energies, Darius and all that. And they, they, you know, it's not just a talent thing, but it's also a passion thing. And, you know, they, they loved Petten at the time and Matt LaFleur. And it's just, there was a, a good energy to it. And as soon as that started to turn and, and they realized it was kind of fake, you know, Zadarius all of a sudden isn't loved by his, his guys. And now Jair is, you know, you don't want that to be a big thing, but you know, it's, it is a big deal when five minutes ago, it was like we were a brotherhood and we were all, you know, riding high and all that. And now you're still saying those things, but it's not real anymore. You're just saying it to say it because you know it's the right thing to say. You know it's what you're supposed to think. But it doesn't feel real. It's fake. You know? Kind of like when you meet somebody for the first time and there's all the big butterflies and all that stuff. And you're like, I know it sounds stupid, but like, this is real. Even though you know, like, you know, you've been through this before. It's like, it just, it feels real. And, and this feeling is never going to go away. And then it does, right? Because <laughs> of course it does. And you might try to pretend that it didn't, but it did. You don't feel the same way you did when you first met them. Which is why it's important to put things in place before that come, you know, we got to lay down some roots here. And I, I don't know, I guess the Packers didn't. They didn't lay down enough roots because the honeymoon phase is over and players aren't buying in and we, we've got all the talent we could ever need and it's still just not enough. But although I don't know the solution, because again, firing Matt LaFleur and bringing somebody else, I don't think that just automatically fixes things. I mean, that might even be premature. I mean, they're still coming off a 13-win season, you, you know. I don't know if we're at that point where, where Carolina is to be able to do that. And I don't think you fire people just to try to manufacture fake emotion either. But what I am saying that I do know is that we're missing that. What we're missing is this. They are all rallied around the coach, high-fiving him, giving him big hugs. The coach looks like he's crying right now. Family on three, one, two, three, family. That's all fake, but it doesn't matter because in the moment when they played Tampa, it was real, and that's all that matters. That won't last forever. They're going to hit adversity, and then all the problems are going to come out just like everybody else. But the Packers need that spark or the fire will never start, right? There's, there's, you need the spark. There's never been a spark, and so there's no fire. They need something to rally around. There's just nothing. They don't have anyone to play for. They don't have a leader in the locker room. They don't have a coach that they view as a leader. They don't, they don't have that person to fight for. As weird as it sounds, it's like unless you have another player or another person that you're playing for other than yourself, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's, it could be your mom, it could be your coach, it could be the guy next to you. But if you're out there just doing it for you, I don't think it works. You know, they, they talk about doing, you know, that we know what we have in this locker room and all that stuff. But, you know, again, they can say all the right things but they've got to have something to fight for other than just, you know, I think I'm real good and I'm going to show the world how good I am because that, that little game isn't working too well. I mean, yeah. this is, I don't know, I, I can't get over how staggering all of this is. Every single thing I'm looking at is, is stunning. ESPN stats and information, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers lose to the Commanders, falling to 3-4 and four on the season. The Packers went without a third-down conversion for the first time since 1999, Week 6, at Denver. What was that, 23 years ago? How about the fact that we're 10.5-point underdogs and Rodgers has never in his career been this big of an underdog? The last time we saw this was 2017, when Rodgers was not playing, and it was once, once, with Brett freaking Hundley at quarterback. Not twice, not three times. We weren't 10 and a half point underdogs when Jordan Love was quarterback. We have Aaron Rodgers. We're 10 and a half point dogs. The time before that was when Matt Flynn played the Patriots. Time before that was 2006. Vegas has caught up. I told you, if you didn't bet on the Packers up to this point, you missed your window. It ain't going to happen anymore because Vegas is going to get caught up to exactly what this is. And they got caught up. And guess what they figured out? This is a historically bad football team. 
as far as the Packers are concerned, it is. Like, by a mile. This is not 2018. This is not even 2017. Think about that. We're finding stats and information that this team right now with Aaron Rodgers is worse than the team in 2017 without Aaron Rodgers. Do you... Oh, the next worst line that we saw or spread, eight and a half points. That was Brett Hundley up against the Minnesota Vikings. By the way, that was the 13-3 and three Mike Zimmer. This Vikings team is out of control good. They're probably going to go in, go on to win a Super Bowl. Minnesota Vikings, eight-and-a-half-point dogs in that game with Brett Hundley at quarterback and, and really nothing going great. Eight-and-a-half. One time. Only once Hundley saw odds worse than this. The last time a starting Green Bay Packers quarterback saw odds this bad was 2006. And I know everybody's going to say, well, that's because of Buffalo. Okay. I just told you the Vikings record, right? Just told you that. Beyond that, we're comparing Aaron Rodgers with Brett Hundley right now. So if that's really where you want to dig your heels in, I guess you can go ahead and try that. Because Buffalo's just that much better than the 13-3 uh, and three Vikings. Okay. Probably not, but yeah, maybe. Suffice it to say... I think we all should be well past the part where we say, we've been here before. You act like you've never seen adversity before. We have. We, we lost week one last year, and then we bounced back, right? There was panic, and oh, no, and oh, shoot, here we go, and, and then everything was fine. Every single stat you can look at is, I mean, you have to go back a long way. I just, didn't I, maybe that was Packernet after dark last night. Rogers' worst start via PFF in his first seven games of his entire career. That's just the starting quarterback. He's top 10 right now, technically, because of how bad the NFL is. But if you took his grade and put it after the first seven weeks last year, he'd be ranked like 21st in the NFL. Again, that's just the quarterback. That doesn't speak to any of the other issues that we have, and there are plenty. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy that all this time I've been having a hard time trying to say that we're as bad as 20. Oh, it's been a couple of weeks. I've been content with it the last couple of weeks. But for a while, it was hard to even say that this is compares to 2018 because obviously that's ridiculous. Now I'm looking at it going, dude, this is 2017 bad. This is Aaron Rodgers busted his collarbone and uh, Brett Hundley's playing. This is freaking Deshaun Kaiser bad. Jordan Love last year, remember when he started against the Kansas City Chiefs? Do you know what our odds were? We were seven and a half point underdogs with Jordan Love as the starting quarterback against the Kansas City freaking Chiefs. Seven and a half. <laughs> And you know what's crazy? I, I can't bring myself to pick the Packers. I can't do it. As much as you want to look at it and go, well, that's an overreaction. That's crazy. The Packers aren't that bad. They're going to have some kind of a bounce back thing or whatever, you know. Let's, let's just very briefly look at the 5-1 and one, um, Bills with the number two scoring offense, number one offense in terms of yards, number one in terms of points on defense, number one in terms of yards. So this is, this is it's the number one team in football, right? But not only that, they're averaging 29 points a game. Do you think we're going to get to 20 against the number one defense in football? That's assuming we can hold them to 29, which would be just an average defensive performance. We're going to hold them to 29. Do you think we score 20 against them? We couldn't do it against Washington. Yes, I know we got the 21. That was the defense. So, I mean, I guess technically you still cover, but let's, let's be honest. Is the offense going to score? Let's just pretend we're not going to get a pick six because obviously we're not. It's a very rare thing that happens. Is the offense going to get to 20 points? They didn't do it against Washington. They didn't do it against the Jets. I think they barely got there against the Giants. If you take away the safety, they got to exactly 20. And they got to 27 in overtime against the Patriots. 14 against the Buccaneers, 7 against the Vikings. So Chicago, New England, and barely New York. Washington, they did not. 23rd ranked offense in all of football. That seems to be getting worse every single week. That team against the number one defense in football coming fresh off a of bye week, they're going to get to 20 points. Worst offense in football just scored 23 against us. Are we even going to be able to hold them to 30? Again, it, it, it's possible anything could happen, but I can't bring myself to do it. It seems like it's right there in front of you. You got Rodgers, you got the run game, you got an offensive line that seems to be cooking. I mean, the receivers, we know they can do it. They just got to get on the same page. You know, we got tight ends that are doing stuff. Tanya in the last couple of weeks has showed up. DeGuara, they need to get more involved. Mercedes is kind of maybe sort of doing some things. Defensively, I mean, we've got the guys that can do it. I mean, if they could just execute, they haven't been. But what if they do? I mean, we, we could not only cover, we could win. 
But are are we to the point where we believe that now? We believe that? Do do you believe? I don't know if I believe that. Again, that was supposed to be this past week where we not just beat but trounce Washington because we got all the pieces and this is the get right game and all that. So we, we, we went through this and that was the thing against the Jets and that was against the Giants. And every single week it's been, this is the week they're going to figure it out. This is the week they're going to execute. This is the week it all comes together. And again, I don't think it gets better. I think it gets worse because every week they lose confidence. It doesn't just naturally get better. It can get better, but I think it gets harder to get better as the season goes on. I can't do it. I'm, I'm not going to bet against the Packers again this week. I'm, I've, I've done that three weeks in a row and I've, I've, uh, because it just seemed obvious to me. This does not necessarily seem, seem obvious. I mean, obviously, we're not favorites, so that makes it uh, a little harder. And I'm, I'm not going to bet that hard against the Packers, but I'm, I'm certainly not, even, even with the points, 10 and a half, I can't do it. Because, I mean, if you, if you forced me, if you said, I'm taking $1,000 out of your bank account and I will bet on this game, you're either going to bet on, with the points, you're either going to bet on the Bills or the Packers. What's it going to be? I would bet on the Bills. Because unless they turn this around, they will lose by more than 10.5 points. If they play the same way they did against Washington, 10.5 would be a great day for the Packers. That's a, that's, that's a great day. That's a heck of a performance. So anyways, I don't know how many different ways I can say I don't know what's going on, but we'll take one more positive note before we take a break, and that is this. It's such a unique situation that there's really no reason to believe that we would have a unique opportunity to get out of it. <laughs> because it's so weird. But we'll take a break. We'll come back and look at um, a couple more things. Might do some more press conference stuff, but I do want to get through PFF. Um, not that I want to spend a lot of time there. But uh, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy furrowgroundranch.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's do a PFF just because we want to make sure we get through all of that. Um, one of the most shocking things, and I may take a minute to go back and look because I just I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever seen this before. If you look at the game and look at the offensive grades, the highest grade was sixty seven point eight. The previous high was seventy five point five this this year. I'm looking at 2021, I'm through week six, and pretty much every week there's somebody in the 90s. Like, for example, week six, 89.5, we can call that a 90. Every week. Week seven is an 87. Again, pretty close. Lowest so far, week eight, A.J. Dillon, 80.3. And that's it. That's the lowest. 80.3, and that was significantly lower than, um, than everything. I mean, almost every week was somebody near around a 90. Uh, 20, or week 18, Devontae, 88.9. Lazard, 88.7. Actually, that's not true. Obviously, we, we got to go into the... That was regular season. If you go into the playoffs, 75.3 was the, uh, was the worst. But that's the worst. I'm going to do one more year just because I'm curious to see if I can find any time ever that the highest was below a 70. Uh, last year in the playoffs, 84.1, Jamal Williams. Or, I mean, two years ago, you know, 2020. Um, against Tampa Bay in 2020, Aaron Rodgers had a 90. Nope. And again, in 2020, almost everybody... Almost every week, there was somebody in the 90s. 
almost every week and, and multiple people in the 80s. The worst games in, I don't think any, there was any game was just 70s, I don't think, in 2020. Every game had at least somebody in the 80s. Last year, there was like one game in the 70s. This year, we've already had one game where the highest was a low 70s game and one where the highest was high 60s. So worst offensive performance, according to PFF, depending on how you want to gauge that, but in terms of nobody doing anything, right? Because we've seen a lot of terrible performances where you've got, you know, Rodgers is bad and Bakhtiari had a bad day and these guys had a bad day and, you know, maybe a lot of, of bad players or, you know, your key players not doing anything, but to not have one single person on the offense operate at a, at a really high level or even a good level. And, and there were good facets, like what about the offensive line? Well, the, almost the entire offensive line got graded out positively in pass blocking, but they all sucked in run blocking. We'll get to that. But, but the point is, overall, they're in the 60s. So again, as usual, every time you look at something, it's not just, well, this was bad. It was, this is historically bad. And again, this is against Washington. If this was against Buffalo, okay, fine. This is Washington. Anyways, getting into it, um, usually we look at the players who are good and bad. Zero were good in this game, according to PFF. 67.8 was the highest. Um, Nine out of 17, so half the team was average, and half the team was just bad. Josiah DeGuara, 55. Samore Ture, 52. Tyler Davis, 50. Amari Rogers, 50. Elton Jenkins, 50. Romeo Dobbs, 43. Robert Tunyon, 35. Mercedes Lewis, 30.9. That's it. No positives to report. Just assume everybody else was average. Sammy, Yash, Josh, Myers, Runyon, Tom, Rogers, Lazard, Jones, and Dylan. Between 60 and 68. Um, passing. Rodgers had two big-time throws, zero turnover-worthy play. Five passes were uh, registered as dropped. I'm not sure where they draw the line between bad pass and drop, but, you know, that could be a potential area of disagreement. But either way, five drops. Time to throw 2.13 seconds, which obviously has a lot to do with why there were very little to no pressures. Um, (laughs) Rodgers, while under pressure, which only happened three times, he had a 90 overall grade because he threw a touchdown. You know what his grade was while not under pressure, which was 91.4% of his dropbacks? I would be stunned if he's ever had a game where 90, 91.5% of his dropbacks were clean. 57 was his grade while kept clean. Again, <laughs> we finally get him to have a clean pocket. I mean, again, I would be stunned. Now, let me, let me, let's find out. Let's, let's do it, because I'm curious. Who, who has seen 91% of their dropbacks not under pressure? This week, under pressure... Aaron Rodgers, 8.6% of his dropbacks. Kyler Murray, 12.5 was the next lowest. 8.5 or 8.6 or whatever I said. Last week, 19% was the lowest. The week before that, 13.5% was the lowest. The week before that, 15%. We don't have anybody sub 10 yet, aside from Rodgers. The week before that, Brady saw 16.6%. week before that, Brady, 13.6%. week before that, Marcus Mariota, 10.8%. Rodgers has seen the cleanest pocket of any quarterback the entire year. And I'm sure if I felt like spending more time going through every single week, which, I mean, this is going to take forever. Every time something happens that hasn't happened all year, going back years to find out the last time it happened. So I'm not going to do that. But let's just say that it's very rare for a quarterback to ever see this. And it hasn't happened at all this year. Not sure it happened last year, probably once or twice. But 57, 57 overall grade. That's what he gives us in a clean pocket. <sighs> Again, I, I get it. I mean, it's, it's probably not that simple. The, the reason the pocket was clean is because they, they ran a modified offense to protect Rodgers from his offensive line, and in that limited offense, he wasn't able to perform as well. Whatever. That, that, that gets us halfway to maybe not being quite as upset about it, but not all the way. First of all, if the pocket's that clean, maybe open it up a little bit. You know, I mean, if if you're limiting things and he's still under pressure, then I understand. Like, we can't open it up because they suck. But, dude, there was no pressure. Nothing. Completely clean. Well, there would have been if you did. Fine. So what? That happens every week. That's what happened last week. We we ran a more complete offense, and he was under pressure more. So what? I don't understand the point with that. And we just got, jeez, another update here. I'm, I'm very sorry to give this to all of you that are of the belief that we're going to upset the Buffalo Bills. Um, Alan Lazard apparently has his arm in a sling. 
to see this via Cassidy Hill. Alan Lazard just walked through the locker room, didn't stop to talk, and had his left arm in a sling. He left yesterday's game with a shoulder injury in the locker room last night. He had it wrapped in ice. I'm sure Matt LaFleur will be giving an update on that, and, and we'll get an update you probably already know more than I do. But, you know, again, evaluation. Bring up Samore. Let's see what the man can do. Dobbs, Ture, hopefully Christian Watson can come back soon. Let's get them ready to rock and roll. I want to see more DeGuara. Uh, let's see more Tyler Davis. You know, you think you see something in him? Awesome. Let's get that roll in here. See what the dude can do. No no offense to Mercedes Lewis. I'm not saying cut the guy. I'm just saying it's his last year, and this year is not going anywhere. The benefit of putting him out there so he can continue to grade out to be our worst offensive or our worst player overall on the team, I don't know. Probably don't need to keep doing that. You put some other guys out there that are playing better that are more a part of the future, that need more reps, that need more time and experience. But what do I know? I'm just a stupid fan. I don't know. I know nothing about anything. Anyways, uh, let's continue on here. That's enough quarterback stuff. Uh, let's take a look at the wide receivers. Obviously, nothing there was great. As far as receiving grade, again, remember when we went through the first part, that was just overall grade. Receiving grade, there was one shining spot, and that was Alan Lazard, 71.2 overall grade. Um, Aaron Jones was next with a 65, Watkins with a 63, Amari Rogers had a 55, then Ture with a 53, then Dobbs with a 44, then Tunyon with a 43. Running the ball as far as running grade, A.J. Dillon 70.6, Aaron Jones 67.6. Everything is is going down. Um, The only real positive, and this is kind of staggering considering he had eight attempts, Aaron Jones had six missed tackles forced. (laughs) What the heck is that? How do you do that in eight carries? I don't know. Uh, longest carry of the day for Dylan was seven yards. Longest carry of the day for Jones was eight yards. So that sucks. I mean, again, you can't, we, we can't have nice things, man. At least at one point I was able to say, dude, Kenny is the best defensive tackle in football. Rashawn is candidate for defensive player of the year. Neither of those two things are really holding up. Kenny's still fine. I mean, they're both great. But neither of those things is going to you. Kenny is... is falling to maybe barely top 10 now and Rashawn with all the stats and everything are, are continuing to decline and then he got hurt and I don't know what the status is there Aaron Jones right I've been bragging about how great he is how good everything's going and it's probably not his fault probably the offensive line's fault but stats are falling off grades are falling off right that whole explosive thing right Packers have an explosive offense because they're getting all this stuff mostly big run plays that's gone to zero I mean it's it's literally we're getting worse and I don't understand that but anyways, there's that thing. Finally, blocking, and this is where there's at least a, a half a glimmer. Uh, Zach Tom, again, a lot of people are going to be upset because, dude, how could you say that? I thought Zach had a good day. Well, he did. He had an 82.2 pass blocking grade, right? Phenomenal. They, they loved what he did. The problem is he had a 47.8 run blocking grade. And in fact, one of the things I want to check, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. So that was left tackle, left guard Elton Jenkins. This is where the bad news comes in. Elton Jenkins, right? Hey, we switched it up. Jenkins moved to left guard, and the offensive line was great. I think we figured it out. We found a spot for Elton Jenkins. 53 run blocking grade, 41.3 pass blocking grade. He got worse. Well, how does that happen? He didn't have any pressures. I don't know, dude, but he got beat, and he sucked, and whatever. You know, I mean, you you can go watch it. I'm going to go watch it. We'll see what we think, and we can reconvene and see. But PFF watched it, and they're like, yeah, that dude sucks. By far the biggest weak link on this team, or, or at least the offensive line. But that's, that's, I don't get it. Center, Josh Myers, 54, we'll call it 55 run blocking grade, but an 83.6 pass blocking. That's one of his best ever, so I'll take it. John Runyon, similarly, he does a classic John Runyon, 52 run blocking, 83.3 pass blocking. Again, more than fine with that. And then at right tackle, Josh Nyman, 62, call it 63 run blocking and a 69 pass blocking grade. So not great in any one category. He had the second lowest pass blocking grade of the group aside from Elton Jenkins. But again, that's Yash Nyman, right? He's he's not going to give you those 90s, but he's just steady, right? You're not going to see a ton of pressures. You're not going to, he's not great, but he's not a disaster. And at this point, that's awesome. <laughs> the one thing I wanted to see was true pass sets though, because the Packers were so schemey in this game. And I'm seeing already a lot of people sort of implying that the only reason the offensive line looked as good as it did is because they were so schemey. 
Now, out of 34 opportunities, only 12 of them are in true pass sets because, again, it was very schemey. But the question is, how did they do? Well, Josh Myers, who had the highest grade, 83.6, in true pass sets, 80.2. It went down, but that's still awesome. John Runyon, 83.3, 84.3. He actually went up. Zach Tom is the biggest one, though. 82.2 went down to a 68.4. So in other words, if you remove the scheme and you're just talking one-on-one, they gave him a a sub-70. So that would be something to keep an eye on with Zach Tom. If you stop doing such schemey things and um, just kind of put him man-to-man more regularly, um, how is he going to grade out? That's, you know, again, it's not a disaster. Considering who he was going up against, uh, if you would have told me at the end of this game, because, again, week one, he had a horrific PFF grade. But if you'd have told me he's going to end with roughly a 70 PFF grade, I would have been pretty ecstatic. But, again, big drop-off there from uh, Mr. Zach Tom. Uh, Yash Nyman, 69-69, no change. Elton Jenkins drops, drops from a 41 to a 22. So the scheme massively improved Elton Jenkins' grade from a 22 overall grade when he's one-on-one to a 41. That was the scheme helping him. I don't know what to say, dude. Again, I'll, I'll, I'll wait to go see myself because I'm curious to see what could possibly have gone so wrong, especially for a guy that gave up no pressures. But that is, that's unbelievable. Defensive side of things, not quite as bleak. The only really bad grade was Ladarius Hamilton. Kind of don't care. It was like his first game ever, so whatever. Um, And the only other subpar grades, Jaron Reed, Jair, and Eric Stokes. Now, considering how important and critical those pieces are, are, that's kind of a big deal, Jair and Stokes especially, but they're not brutally awful. Um, Half the defense had good grades, 9 out of 18. So TJ Slayton. Darnell Savage, Devontae Wyatt, Rashawn Gary, Rudy Ford, Quay Walker, and Dean Lowry all in the 70s, which is fantastic. Especially Rudy Ford. Has this guy... I just want to see real quick. Um, He currently has an 82.2 overall grade. He hasn't played a ton, but that's crazy. Um, That's super crazy. That's got to be one of the higher grades in the NFL at safety. Again, very small sample size, but still, that's really impressive. But that's not it. Razul Douglas, 90.7 overall grade, including a 90.1 coverage grade. Devondre Campbell, 94.3. A lot of things are going wrong, but if there's any one thing that was exciting, aside from the offensive line, which again, I'm going to withhold some of my excitement because it was so heavily schemed to protect against offensive line disaster, but the linebackers in particular, Quay Walker being the fourth highest graded, uh, considering how he's been doing the last several weeks, and then Devondre Campbell getting maybe his best grade, maybe ever? I don't know. Let's find out. Yeah, last year his highest grade was an 88. This is 94.3. He did have a 91.5 uh, in 2019, which was the only game he played in which he didn't suck. <laughs> Literally, his next highest grade was a 63 in that year. Well, that's crazy. I'm not going to keep going back because this is all pretty brutal, but let's just say that was his best game ever. And it wasn't just the pick six. I mean, 98, 1.8 coverage grade is phenomenal, but also 84.3 pass rush grade, 84 tackling grade, 89.9 run defense grade. The linebackers are playing some good football. And um, I highlighted Quay because I've mostly been skeptical of him and, and critical of him. So when I watched him and saw him, I was pretty excited. But yeah, the linebackers really had a big day and that's that's awesome. Run defense grades. Um Again, Ladarius was the only really bad one. Uh, the other guys in the 50s, Rashawn Gary, obviously, was the next lowest at 50.7. Jaron Reed, Eric Stokes, Adrian Amos, and Kenny, Kenny Clark were also down there. Good grades, Savage, Jair, uh, Rudy Ford, Quay Walker, Razul, Dean, and then again, Devondre at a, like a 90. Tackling grades, Eric Stokes, subpar in the 50s, but then you had Razul in the 40s. Preston in the 30s, Rashawn in the 20s, and Ladarius at the 21.7. Good tackling. Dean, Slayton, Reed, Kingsley, Rudy Ford, Jair. And then in the 80s, you've got Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, and Devondre Campbell. Pass rush, we had several that graded out extremely well. Uh, Kenny was a 70, which is fine. 
but Devondre 84.3, Quay Walker 84.7, and Rashawn Gary 89.4, kind of overshadowed by uh, some of the negatives in in the run defense and everything else. But um, yeah, dominant, dominant pass rush. And then coverage, really bad. Jair 46.1 grade. Uh, Subpar Eric Stokes 54.6. Positive Savage had a 69.7. We can round that up to a 70. And then Razul with a 90.9 and Devondre at 91.8. Statistics. Uh, 29 pressures in this game is a lot. Adrian Amos had one on one attempt. You gotta love that. Jaron Reed had two on 24, which is subpar, but acceptable. Kingsley Enigbare again shows up. Two pressures, including a sack, and he only had 12 attempts. So far on this season, he has three pressures. Two of them are sacks. That is on 51 attempts, so that's not super great. But all of those pressures have come in the last two weeks. In the first five, he had 30-some-odd attempts with no pressures whatsoever. The last two weeks, 16 attempts, three pressures, two sacks. That's fantastic. Uh, Devondre Campbell had nine attempts, three pressures. Dean Lowry, 15 attempts, three pressures. Quay Walker, five attempts, three pressures. That is glorious. I mean, all of these are really good. Preston Smith, 28, four pressures. That's awesome. I mean, again, if you're looking for 10%, you know, 28, you're kind of in the three range, two to three. Kenny Clark, 31 attempts. You're looking for around three to four. He had five. And then Rashawn Gary, 23 attempts. He had six pressures. That is 26% for Rashawn Gary, which is stupid good. I'm, I'm upset that he has dropped as far as his sacks to less than one per game. He's now at six sacks in seven games, so we're just shy. He's going to have to come up with, with, a, with a double at some point. But he's still on a great track, and he has 28 pressures on 168 attempts, or 162 attempts. He's at 17.3%. He's still on an elite track. 17, 18% is stupid crazy for pressures. As far as the breakdowns, uh, Kingsley had the one sack. Hits, four for Rashawn, two for Quay, two for Devondre. So four of the 10 came from our linebackers. Uh, Kingsley had one, uh, Preston had one, and then all the rest were hurries. Batted passes, TJ Slayton had the one batted pass. Quay Walker led the team in tackles uh, with 10, Devondre 8, Razul 7. Um, missed tackles as far as totals. Preston Smith had three misses. Razul had two, and then Quay, Stokes, Ladarius, and Rashawn each had one. As far as a percentage, Ladarius got dinged pretty bad because his one miss was his one attempt, so he's at 100%. Uh, Preston 43, then 33, and down from there. Stops, which are tackles that are a negative play for the offense. Quay Walker had seven. Devondre had five. Again, that's fantastic. 12, 12 negative plays from our two linebackers. Razul had four. Uh, Preston had three. Jair, Rashawn, Rudy Ford, Dean Lowry, and Adrian Amos had two. Kingsley, TJ Slayton, Jaron Reed each had one. Coverage. Uh, the most targeted was Razul Douglas, but out of the seven targets, only three were caught for 12. Uh, 29 yards and three pass breakups that would explain a 91 coverage grade especially when you know well they should have many of them should have been picked which I guess is probably more of a negative than a positive Jair Alexander was the second most targeted six targets four receptions 67 yards and a touchdown given up 143.8 passer rating when targeted Uh, that was also the most not only the the most touchdowns him and Stokes gave up the touchdown according to PFF I know um some people would uh, attribute that to uh, Darnell Savage. I know, uh, well, whatever. I, I don't know. I, I Whatever. It's, it's either way. But Jair definitely gave up a touchdown. And then again, 67 yards is the most given. Eric Stokes, five targets, four receptions, 27 yards, and a touchdown if you want to blame him. Devondre Campbell, five targets, four receptions, 40 yards, and an interception and a touchdown. Quay Walker, four targets, three receptions, 22 yards, and a pass breakup, which is just a glorious day, if you ask me. Amos, three targets, two receptions, 10 yards, and then uh, Savage, one target, zero receptions. Penalties, because I always forget to look at that. Eric Stokes, two penalties, Kenny Clark, one. Special teams, believe it or not, we got some positives here. Quay Walker was the very lowest at 39 overall. The only other really bad or quite bad was Tariq Carpenter, 49.8. Positives, though, um... Let's let's be generous here and say about 65-ish or higher. Isaiah McDuffie, 65. Razul, 67. Amos and Tyler Davis, 67. Shamar Jean Charles, 68.4. Dallin Levitt, 69. Rudy Ford, 72. Starting to feel like the best pickup of the year. Keyshawn Nixon, 73.0. Uh, 
as far as statistics, tackles from Rudy Ford, Shamar Jean, Charles Tyler Davis, Keyshawn Nixon, Isaiah McDuffie. Missed tackles, none. But, you know, some people apparently still sucked. I don't know. So that's about it. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's again, it's not that everything is is negative. There are positives to be taken away. The linebackers are taking step, especially, especially when you look at people that you know are going to be around for a while. You know, we, we just paid Devondre, so he's not gone after this year. Uh, Quay is obviously going to be here for a while. Rashawn's going to be here for a while. We just paid Preston. Kenny will be here for a while. Um, you know, a lot of people really not happy with Savage, but this was a, a good game for him, according to them. Amos seems to be kind of getting back on track, which is, is becoming normal, especially for the two safeties to really get a slow start and then pick it up. Um, positives from the offensive line overall, again, not 100% sure how much of that has to do with scheme compared to just playing well, but positive nonetheless. Does that translate to us being a playoff team and winning a Super Bowl? No. But if we kind of set that to the side, you know, one of the things that, that Bears and Vikings and other Jagoff fans are doing, I'm sorry, I mean, other fans are doing, just just disregard that. <laughs> no, you can put it back in. It's true. But they keep talking about how you guys are, are headed for disaster because it's only going to get worse. Nah, we still have better teams than you. I mean, it's, it's, it's a complete disaster, but they act as though... Like our roster is just complete garbage from top to bottom, and, and we have to do this complete teardown and rebuild. And like I said, that's not true. Like Jair is not leaving, Stokes isn't leaving, Quay's not leaving, Devondre's not leaving, Kenny's not leaving, Preston's not leaving, uh, Rashawn's not leaving, Wyatt's not leaving, Zach Tom's not leaving. A lot of these guys aren't. I understand they're not playing well right now. That's true, and I don't know what's going to fix that. But we still have a better team than you, and. Um, I mean, the last time we saw this level of disaster, it felt like we were headed toward doom and despair, and the Bears were like this Super Bowl caliber team in 2018, and it was, you know, obviously the Vikings in 2017 were dominant, and we didn't have Rodgers, and we were a disaster in 2018. The Bears were all great, and we sucked that year too. And then the next year, we make a couple changes, and it's like, oh yeah, we're, we're at the best in the, uh, the division again. So maybe that's it. Maybe this is the Vikings year. Next year's the Bears year, and then the year after that, the Packers go on another go on to take over again. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I think that's going to do it for today. You guys have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.